When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into the 49er Access Podcast. And folks, what we saw yesterday at the link was a complete curb stomping, a complete annihilation, a complete ass kicking of the Philadelphia Eagles at the hands of the San Francisco 49ers. I want to welcome you into the podcast today on this Victory Monday as we react to and celebrate the San Francisco 49ers defeating the hated Philadelphia Eagles 42-19 at the link. And let's start right there at the link. All the talk from January of the Philadelphia Eagles that even if you had Brock Purdy, it wouldn't have changed a thing. Debo Samuel calling James Bradbury trash. Debo Samuel this past week stating that I regret nothing I say. San Francisco knew the task at hand. They knew that the link, the scariest place to play outside of Lumen Field and maybe Kansas City in the entire league, the place where... Just 11 months ago, nearly to the day, you lost 31-7 to and your starting quarterback as well. They went into the link and handed the Philadelphia Eagles the second largest ass kicking they've given out all year long. 42-19, to it was as if there were grown men playing with children on the field. What Debo Samuel was able to do and score three touchdowns, arguably his biggest game since 2021 against the Rams. Brock Purdy outplaying the MVP favorite in his own home. The amount of disrespect San Francisco not only has for the Eagles, but also handed out to Philadelphia and their fans. This game was a one-score game going into halftime, and their own fans started booing them. When you talk about a complete statement game, that was this. When you talk about a complete shellacking, a slobber knocker, shout out JR from WWE and AEW, that's what this was. The San Francisco 49ers not only advanced one game closer by beating Philadelphia to the NFC number one seed. They also completely humiliated what was supposed to be the best team in the entire league was the best team in the entire league record-wise at home. Do you know what it's like to have someone disrespect you in your own house, to talk down to you in your own house, whether you're a father or maybe it's your own apartment, to have someone come into your place of living and disrespect you, to smack you in the face, to threaten you, to talk to you like they own your home. 
That is exactly what San Francisco did all week long. It was as if San Francisco knew they were not going on the road to Philadelphia. It was as if they knew they were just going to their vacation home in Philadelphia. They knew the, dare I say, the trouble the Philadelphia fans might cause them. They knew the Eagles were a good team. In that same breath, they knew, like they knew in January, had they had a, a, a caliber of a, a, a quarterback that had two arms, they could have won that game in the playoffs, and they proved that yesterday, again winning 42-19. The box score. Let's start with Brock Purdy. Actually, let's start with the defense. Because what this defense, and I think, well, yes, there are plenty of touchdowns to go around the offense, put up 42 points. The defense kept San Francisco in this game. To begin for San Francisco, kick the ball off to Philadelphia. You have them at third and nine on the first drive, and we're sitting back saying, man, they're already at a tush-push territory. We're doing a great job. Third and nine, A.J. Brown on a slant. We talked about it coming into this game. You cannot play man coverage against A.J. Brown, especially on slant routes. What does he do? Beat you for 38 yards. Jair Brown misplays the tackle, and it puts San Francisco's defense on their heels. They play Ben don't break defense in this one. On the first drive of the game, they get a stop. Mooney Ward, the big pass block against A.J. Brown in the red zone, settles for a field goal. It's 3 nothing. Eagles. The next drive for San Francisco, quick three and out. Philadelphia marches all the way back downfield, scores another field goal on back-to-back drives. San Francisco's defense sustains. They remain. They remain strong in this one, only allowing six points, setting their offense up for success. San Francisco's offense then goes back out there and gets negative yards once again. Chris McCaffrey doesn't touch the ball the entire first quarter. Debo Samuel has one play in the entire first quarter, goes for negative yardage. The offense looks discombobulated. They look lost. And that was the last time in this entire game we were going to say that for the San Francisco 49ers. The Snyder's offense essentially took an entire quarter off and still scored 42 points. But the defense picking the offense up, we talked all this year, where Steve Wilkes should have been fired after the Vikings' zero-coverage blitz uh, before halftime. They lost against the Bengals in home and the Browns. It looked like the sky was falling in San Francisco the past four weeks has turned things up defensively. Uh, not a lot of sacks, only three sacks in this game compared to what they had against the, the Bucks and the Jaguars and others along the way during their four-game win streak against Seattle just 10, 11 days ago. What San Francisco's defense was able to do, if I told you coming into this game that Jalen Hurts was going to have one passing touchdown and one rushing touchdown, A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith were going to combine for 17 catches, 210 yards, and one touchdown, you would have likely said that the Eagles would have won this game. A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith may have had the most least impactful 17 catches, 210 yards, and one touchdown I've ever seen in a game. It was like nothing the Philadelphia offense did mattered. Only totaled 19 points, their second lowest total of the entire season. 
San Francisco's run defense that was once the 26th ranked run defense in the entire league now ranks first and just held a Jalen Hurts and DeAndre Swift rushing attack. Keep in mind, Jalen Hurts, MVP favorite coming into this game. DeAndre Swift, another top five leading rusher in the league, held him to 13 yards and as a team held the Eagles to their lowest rushing total all year at 46 total yards. San Francisco's defense in the first quarter wasn't great when it came to up front play, the front seven dominating up front. What they were able to do in stay alive, play Ben, don't break, give their offense a chance to make some plays. And then quarters two through four is when this defense came alive not just playing bend, don't break, but literally playing do not even bend. Philadelphia's offense looked lost. They couldn't get rhythm. The only time Philadelphia had a chance in this game was when a freaking security guard was putting hands on Dre Greenlaw. That was the only time when they were given two free penalties, although deserved, two free penalties and a free 30 yards on nearly back-to-back plays putting them in San Francisco's red zone. The Philadelphia offense with MVP caliber talent and Jalen Hurts, an MVP favorite coming into this game, did absolutely nothing. All of the talk of Eagles fans, all of the talk of the media, San Francisco can't beat this team. They're not going to go into the link. We see you, Shady McCoy. You, Des Bryant said it would be easier, I believe, in the Eagles going to Levi Stadium and beating San Francisco than the Niners going to the link and beating the Eagles. San Francisco gave the metaphorical, dare I say, flip the bird, the middle finger to every single person that doubted them. They got revenge for January, even if they don't want to say they did. What San Francisco's defense was able to do in this game without Talanoa Hufunga, their best safety, with three starting cornerbacks playing the best they ever have. Mooney Ward had four pass deflections in this game. Ambry Thomas has been a revelation this year since the bye week. Even Isaiah Oliver was playing safety in this game for a handful of snaps. What they've been able to do, what Steve Wilkes has done for the secondary has been, you cannot understate how important that's been to still give up 17 catches, 210 yards and one touchdown to the Eagles, number one and number two receiver and have that mean nothing. You cannot write that in any NFL script. San Francisco's defense was locked down. You can see the photo on the first drive of the game. It's on my Twitter account, and I mistitled it, Locked Down, Mooney Ward locking down A.J. Brown in the end zone to limit them to a field goal on the first drive. The Niners' defense in this game were so good, so good. At first, it wasn't pretty. Even in this same game, they gave up the, a 3rd and 19 They allowed Philadelphia to get a first down on third and 19. Philadelphia finished eight for 15, nearly 50%, just over 50% on third downs. But San Francisco put themselves in a position to limit the tush push. Only three total tush pushes in this game. San Francisco 
made Philadelphia have to pass the ball, took away the run, took away the tush push, took away these fourth and third and shorts. They put the Philadelphia Eagles on their heels in their own house from the second quarter on in this game. You can tell Philadelphia was tired. You can tell they didn't have the fight in them in this game. If there is any game so far this year to prove why getting the number one seed is so important, it is this game. San Francisco, 10 days off coming into Sunday against Philadelphia. Philadelphia having played the most defensive snaps the past two weeks, having just played 92 or 97 defensive snaps against the Buffalo Bills one week ago, come into this game exhausted, tired against a fresh And if it's a number one seed on the line, it showed you how important getting it was. San Francisco looked like the better team, the more explosive team, and they came in and they showed that from the get-go. And that includes on the defensive front. On Jalen Hurts' 45 dropbacks and Marcus Mariota's three dropbacks. So three plus 45 is 48 dropbacks. San Francisco pressured the Philadelphia quarterbacks 46 times and it's not just because Bosa was getting home and Hargrave was getting home and Eric Armstead was getting home it was because the coverage was so good how many times in this game did we see the Philadelphia Eagles quarterback Mariota mainly Jalen Hurts hold the ball for five six eight seconds it felt like every passing attempt took an eternity for the ball to get out because the coverage was so good in this game. San Francisco sacked Jalen Hurts three times. Now, one of those, he fell down, and they caught some breaks early. Let's not let's not sugarcoat that. Jalen Hurts falls down in his own red zone or in the Niners' red zone, um, pushes them back uh, further out of field goal range. They then make it 6 nothing. There were some breaks early. Sometimes it pays to be lucky than good. That's okay. We've seen Philadelphia the past four weeks win by seven and five and four and three. They have caught breaks. It was just a matter of time before luck ran out for Philadelphia. Now they're on their heels, having battled another tough game for them, having to fight, having to claw, having to play a physically gifted Niners team that wants to run through every defender you have. And now in seven days, now in six days, They have to go play Dallas in Dallas. You can say it's a tough stretch. They had to play the Chiefs and the Bills in Dallas and now San Francisco, who they lost to. They were bound to lose one game. What San Francisco has been able to do is win the war of attrition. They're healthier. They are more physically talented, yes, than the Eagles. But coming into this game, it was you have to win the trenches. Philadelphia is going to dominate in the trenches. And for a quarter, they did. After that, Philadelphia's trench warfare went out the window. Their offense was held to 46 rushing yards, 2.6 yards a carry. San Francisco doubled the yards per attempt in this game than Philadelphia. 2.6 to 6.2. The Eagles' rushing offense was so bad. They were playing from so far behind. They only ran the ball 18 times, and two of those, three of those, were tush pushes. 
San Francisco, by getting out so far ahead and playing great defense the entirety of the game, put Philadelphia in the position to make Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown, and others have to win this game for them, and they just couldn't do it. The amount of disrespect it takes to go into somebody else's home to dare their MVP caliber quarterback to beat you and know they're not going to be able to get it done is disrespectful to the max. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The, like, the amount of disrespect and trash talk coming into the game was insane. We were all talking it up. Jalen Carter saying, why play the inside? They have McCaffrey and they have Kittle and they have Debo. They have weapons on the outside. I play the inside. I've heard nothing about the offensive line. San Francisco's offensive line gave up less sacks than the Eagles did. Two to three. Gave up, I believe, 20 less pressures than the Eagles did. And they had Lane Johnson back and they're getting their entire offensive line healthy. Their offensive line gave up 46 pressures on 48 dropbacks. The trench warfare was non-existent in this game for the Philadelphia Eagles. They're worn down. They're tired. And they have no bye week in sight. Dallas next week in Dallas, San Francisco, albeit a lot of season left, a lot can happen. This win yesterday was the biggest win of the season by far. You can't even understate that it was by far the biggest win against the best opponent on the road the entire world saw philadelphia's defense get exposed they saw their offense be limited by a unit many fans said wasn't good who earlier this year they were not that good that don't have their best safety what san francisco's defense did yesterday and here's the kicker they knew it was going to happen Fred Warner is leaving the stadium, leaving the field saying, did you expect something else? Did you expect something different? San Francisco had a game plan in January, knew it was going to work. Brock Purdy gets hurt. They're sitting back saying, man, we just want another shot at those guys. They get it in week 13, use the same game plan, and it comes out and it works to nearly perfection. Nearly perfection we got matt moses in the chat saying salute salute my friend it's not fly eagles fly it is die eagles die and cry eagles cry today on a victory monday uh, what a wonderful day it is of the defense mooney ward playing lockdown cornerback leads the entire league in pass defenses Ambry thomas playing great demo lenore lighting up deandre swift like he's dante whitner against pierre thomas in the playoff game back at candlestick I mean, night-night to DeAndre Swift. He was a non-factor in this game. He did nothing, nothing. And I want to say this because I do think the Philadelphia Eagles and the Seattle Seahawks have one thing in common. They are much more name value than actual production. Eagles, 10-2 and two now, best record in the entire NFL. I get it. Still the number one seed. 
They have every right to proclaim that. They've won, they've won a ton of tough games, beat a lot of good opponents. But we knew we could expose this defense, which coming in, I knew, we knew, you knew, Shanahan knew, Steve Oaks knew, the entire world should have known. It's easy to find. Gave up 293 passing yards at the link. They cannot stop the pass. There's a reason why Debo Samuel was calling James Bradbury trash. It was evident on the field. They had trash cans playing cornerback. They couldn't tackle anybody. This game wasn't, oh, the Eagles were playing poorly. Oh, they had turnovers. Oh, they made some mistakes. No, none of that happened. No picks, no fumble recoveries, no turnovers, no takeaways. The San Francisco 49ers simply came out of the tunnel and smacked the Philadelphia Eagles right in the mouth in front of their mamas, in front of their stands, and with their fans in the stands. What they, It was so bad, the Eagles fans were booing their own team at halftime. You can say, well, that's Philadelphia. That's Philadelphia. No, Philadelphia knew if we give the Niners any chance to steal momentum, any chance to stay in this game, we cannot keep up with them. Their fans knew. I knew people. Uh, they're Eagles fans. I'm like, are you ready for this? Are you worried? Are you nervous? No, we're not worried. No, no, we're going to be fine. It was all a facade. They knew they escaped 11 months ago in January. You cannot escape us now. We are here. We are coming. And just like Randy Orton said to Paul Heyman this past Friday on SmackDown, hey, Philadelphia, tell them daddy's back. (laughs) Daddy is back. You cannot... Hassan Reddick wants to talk of, oh, it was a bunch of hooping and hawing. Uh, come out here and come play us at the link. Bring your shoulder pads. They put Hassan Reddick in the spin cycle almost every single end around to Debo. And we haven't even got to the offense yet. The offense for San Francisco in this game. In the first two drives, the first two drives of this game, down 6 nothing, San Francisco's offense. Six plays, negative six yards. They go on to score on six straight drives. Debo Samuel, three touchdowns, and Brock Purdy gets 310 yards through the air. To go to your opponent's home, to go, not just any opponent, not just Philadelphia's defense, to go to the home of the current MVP favorite and to outplay him in his own stadium, in front of his his own fans, Brock Purdy today needs to be, should be, the MVP favorite. What he did yesterday in Philadelphia was complete disrespect. He won't say that he's a nice, coy person. He'll say, wow, Philadelphia is a great team. I'll say it for him. You cannot tell me, Brock, you did not want to get revenge for January. You cannot tell me, Brock, you didn't care about beating Philadelphia so bad that you're not going to smirk and smile when your head hit that pillow last night. When you're asked about this game today on Monday or on Tuesday or Thursday, whatever it is, you are going to laugh and smile saying, huh, we got them back. They now know who I am in Philadelphia. The legend of Brock Purdy continues to grow. And what's even better is, we had Niner fans chanting, Brocky, Brocky, Brocky. We had a, a, Niner fans putting Niners 
jerseys and shirts on the Rocky Balboa statue in Philadelphia because their biggest hero is a fake movie a character. But with Sylvester Stallone in the stands as they celebrated Rocky at the game yesterday, San Francisco Niner fans had Brocky Chance going at Rocky Balboa weekend at the link. Rick Diaz, what's going on, man? How about those Niners? You are correct. It's been a long week, a long week, but we made it here to Victory Monday. Now, one game behind Philadelphia for the number one seed. Niner fans bask in this. It's one game. I get it. A long way to go. But boy, does this feel like, does this feel like how great week five against the Dallas Cowboys was? What? So 42 against Dallas, 42 against Philadelphia, 84 to 29 is how San Francisco has outscored three of the top or two of the top other three seeds in the NFC. The entire NFC East top seeds, they've outscored them 84 to 29. Mick Mallow in the comments, he says, Niners, let's go. You're right, Mick, you're right. Let's freaking go on a victory Monday. How about those Niners taking it to the Philadelphia Eagles and that trash, trash fan base, that trash defense. And let's talk about Brock Purdy specifically. That first touchdown pass to Brandon Ayuk, which Ayuk made a phenomenal catch on, getting his hands under the ball, securing the win. I'll just say this. There's a reason why San Francisco was favored on the road against the best team in the entire league record-wise. They showed it today, or yesterday, excuse me. They showed it yesterday. There's a reason why they're favored by 12 and a half against Seattle this Sunday at home. Vegas knows this is the best team in the entire league. Back to Brock Purdy's first touchdown pass. They do a bunch of motion. They have Juwan Jennings. He was the first read. He's covered. What does Brock Purdy do? Layers the throw to the back of the end zone. Probably his worst throw of the day, maybe. But it happens to be a touchdown still because Brandon Ayuk makes a diving catch in the end zone and puts San Francisco up 7-6. But on that same drive, it's third down. First play of the, that, that third drive, San Francisco down 6 nothing. They're reeling. They have to get in the end zone here. It's the second quarter. They have to get in the end zone here. Chris McCaffrey's first touch came in the second quarter of this game. Goes for negative yards. Then on second, second and 10, second and 14, whatever it was, Spencer Burford gets called for a false start. You're second and 15. The crowd's in the game. Brock Purdy then finds Brandon Ayuk for 12 yards on second and 15. And on third down, to keep the drive alive, to get momentum back, this play allowed San Francisco to find their groove, to get momentum, to start clicking on all cylinders on offense. Brock Purdy finds George Kittle on third and 13. Uh, the first first down of the game came with 12 minutes left in the second quarter for the Niners. And after that moment, boom, tie Uke, run by Chris McCaffrey, complete the Debo uh, 13 yards. Then boom, CMC. Then boom, George Kittle for 10. Then what does Chris McCaffrey, or excuse me, what does Brock Purdy do? Touchdown pass to Brandon Ayuk, back of the end zone. 
at that point, it was over. It felt weird saying that. And looking back, I was a little nervous. I'm sitting there, 6 nothing, second quarter. Jesus, what, what's going on here? M- my goodness. San Francisco just knew, give us one inch and we'll take a yard. Give us one yard and we'll take 10 yards. Give us seven points and we'll take 42. San Francisco's offense essentially didn't play an entire first quarter. And they still put up 40. Two points. Yes, that was worrisome. Yes, you cannot go on the road and not score an entire quarter. You can't be down 6 nothing. But that's what we were talking about eight weeks ago. You have to play complementary football. When the offense falters, your defense picks you up. When your defense falters, your offense picks you up. The defense picked the offense up early in this game. The offense then picked the defense up later after Dre Greenlaw gets tossed out of the game because the ref or the security guard touches him first and he smacks him in the face. Uh, there's a name for that. Uh, not going to call what it is here. And what does the offense do? It takes some five plays. It took Philadelphia one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven plays to score a touchdown, their first touchdown of the game. And they let a free 30 yards because of a face mask and the penalty on Greenlaw. Took him 11 plays, 21-13. The offense needs the answer to pick up the defense, and they score on five plays. Brock Purdy to Debo Samuel. Debo Samuel leads Nicholas Morwin the dust. Just runs right through him for 48 yards. On that play, to show you how explosive, how improbable that play was, Debo Samuel had a 0.01% chance to score a touchdown on that play per NFL next-gen stats. He took it 48 yards to the house. Juwan Jennings, like Rick Diaz says, third down, what does he do? He runs right through somebody, gets a first down. Then he breaks a tackle and runs for a touchdown later in the game to put it away. This Niners offense, I believe for the third time all year, had four different players, McCaffrey, Debo, Ayuk, and Jennings, Score touchdown in this game, their first time since the Jaguars game coming off the bye week. This Niners team had their best win of the season against their best opponent all year long. There's levels to this. There are good teams. There's teams built for the wild card, the Falcons, the Saints, the Seahawks. There's teams built for the division, right? The Cowboys, the Eagles, the Lions. Then there's teams built for championships. That right there is what separates San Francisco from everybody else. Yes, you have to come out there and you have to get the job done. This Philadelphia Eagles team is not who they were last year. They're tired. The war of attrition, they're a veteran team. They cannot keep up. They'll regroup. They'll win more games, no doubt. They can still win the number one seed for all I care. Right now, though, just like San Francisco went in to Lumen Field 11 days ago on Thanksgiving and won against one of the most quote-unquote dangerous places to play, the loudest stadium out there, San Francisco did the exact same thing yesterday, going to the link against a much better team and stopping them almost every single drive and stopping them and scoring on them in almost every which way possible. Brock pretty great in this game. MVP caliber game against the reigning or MVP favorite. 
There isn't much more you can say. There was even plays that didn't get much where there was a play in this game where the entire pocket collapses. Every single person, Williams, Banks, Burford, Brendel, McKivitz, they all get beat. Purdy's like, oh, crap. He just runs to his right and finds McCaffrey for about six, seven yards out of bounds. And you're like, wow, this kid has something. Man, this kid has something. And that something should be the MVP award through 12 games. I mean, my goodness. It it was like, how did that happen? And it felt like every single defensive player for the Eagles, every single one, they didn't want to tackle. Nicholas Morrow, who Philadelphia didn't have their starting linebackers at Cunningham for this game. That's not an excuse for them by any means. But we knew coming into this game, Philadelphia gives up some of the highest yak to any tight end. What we didn't think was going to happen was they didn't want to tackle anybody. You have uh, you have former Eagles players going on their post game on NBC on their television broadcast, calling out their players. That is how bad they were beat. San Francisco's offense beat Philadelphia so bad that people on their side are calling out their players in the media for how bad they were. Then Darius Slay is responding, calling out their media people. This was an all-around embarrassment for the Philadelphia Eagles. Rick Diaz uh, here says, I was with some friends uh, and family in in the restaurant. Uh, A lot of Wood fans, it was loaded with Niner fans. Great game yesterday. All they were doing was shouting. I'll tell you what. All I was doing was shouting, Rick. (laughs) I was screaming and yelling and going crazy. This was a game where I wanted to sit back, and I'll do it here. Let's all come together and let's sing, not fly, Eagles fly. Let's sing, die, Eagles die. Die, Eagles die on the road to defeat. Cry, Eagles cry. One. Two, three. What an awesome game this was. It felt like it was comeuppance for 11 months, 10 months of trash talk. This felt like it was coming. They were due for a loss, whether it was us or the Bills last week or the Chiefs or or, or, or the Cowboys next week. It felt like this was coming. It felt like eventually this was going to happen. Now, I didn't think 42-19. I figured Philadelphia would play a little harder, might be a little tougher, but you can tell. There's a picture of Shanahan after the game looking at Nick Sirianni, who openly apologized to him for the Dre Greenlaw incident. It was the most, like, F you, seriously, like, coldest, hardest photo you can ever see. It's on my Twitter account currently or my ex account. It was the biggest, like, get the F out of my face. I'll see you in January uh, and bring your A game because today was not that. This was a complete showcase from Kyle Shanahan. Uh, Debo Samuel, getting to him for a second. Um, Talk about just when you talk that much trash, when you call a player trash, a grown man trash who's making tens of millions of dollars coming off an all pro season like James Bradbury was on nationally known podcast, the I Am Athlete podcast, when you know James Bradbury's going to see it, he in fact responded to it saying, I wish you didn't use the word trash. When you openly call another human being trash, you have to back that up. 
You can't come in and play, uh, I don't know, like an OBJ and have one catch for 18 yards or or come in and, and, and have a really piss poor outing. Debo Samuel said, I'm going to call you trash right to your face. I'm going to tell you we would have beat you 11 months ago for just seven touches. Debo Samuel touched the ball just seven times in this game. Through the air, he had four catches, 116 yards, and two touchdowns. Debo Samuel completely crushed the Philadelphia Eagles by himself. Debo's three touchdowns would have beaten Philadelphia by themselves. (laughs) That's how crazy it was on Debo Samuel's behalf. He was another level. Him and Chris McCaffrey are the most explosive, uh, dynamic, uh, skill position duo in the entire league. Combined this year, over 2,000 yards and 24, 24 touchdowns. Cut it in half, you essentially have two players over 1,000 yards with 12 touchdowns. How many other teams in the league can say they have that? Maybe the Dolphins with Waddle and Hill. There ain't many others besides that. Sam And they can't put Hill in the backfield. They're not putting Waddle in the backfield. They're not putting uh, – but McCaffrey can be a receiver in the slot on the outside. He can be a running back. The first one to go over 1,000 yards in the Shanahan era in a single season. First off, that's insane, but you knew it was coming, right? And we're only 12 games into the year. I believe Chris McCaffrey's only six touchdowns away from tying Jerry Rice's single-season touchdown record for the Niners in franchise history. You talk about Chris McCaffrey just being the best, one of the best players in the league. That is completely, that's almost disrespectful. He's a top three, top five player in the entire league. He's an MVP caliber player. In fact, I think he's sixth, maybe seventh in MVP odds right now. Six spots behind the new favorite, Brock Purdy. San Francisco has two MVP favorites, folks, two. To a point of, you fans, Niner fans in Philadelphia, as they're leaving the field chanting, MVP, MVP, MVP. What's happening <laughs> for Brock Purdy, Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel? This was, And look, this wasn't even a game where they were throwing the ball all over the field. Now, mind you, Shanahan came out of the gates throwing four of their first six plays. It didn't work, mind you, (laughs) but there was no fear in Shanahan's eyes of I don't trust Brock that I'm actually going to utilize Brock to win me this game. But there was so much going on where no player, not Debo, not McCaffrey, not Kittle, not Ayuk, not even Jennings, none of them touched the ball over 20 times in this game. This was the Swiss Army knife of the offense beating Philadelphia. Almost, it felt like every single player was scoring. Jennings had a big touchdown. Debo, McCaffrey, uh, Kittle had a handful of big plays. Like, San Francisco facilitated the ball to every single playmaker they had, not named Kyle Juszczyk, right? Uh, This was a complete, we are going to give you everything we have, and we're going to dare you to stop us. And it wasn't like there was a big Brock Purdy touchdown throw for 45 yards downfield. 
It wasn't as if there was a 76-yard touchdown pass to Kittle or Ayuk. This was, we're just going to give it to our stars and dare you to tackle us. We're going to dare you to meet us at the the at the point of physical contact, to meet us at the shoulder pads, at the helmet, and dare you to beat us. And Philadelphia said, we want no part of that. We want nothing to do with playing a physical brand of football. Not in the secondary, not on their, on their running backs. They wanted nothing to do with that in the trenches. They wanted nothing to do with that. For one quarter, they had us. They had us in the first half. Second half, though, entirely different story. When you go up 14 to 6 at halftime and your home fans are booing you, and San Francisco comes out the gates with the ball and marches downfield and puts seven more up on you at home after a halftime break for you to recollect your thoughts and make adjustments, the Eagles, to their credit, and I haven't said coming into this game, Philadelphia is the best team in the entire league at making second-half adjustments. How was San Francisco going to thwart their second-half push? Their second-half push came because they got 33 yards via penalties, which they deserved, mind you, but it was as if as soon as they swung back, San Francisco blindsided them back as well. That for the first time all year, when Philadelphia had their big push, they were met by a brick wall and the name of Brock Purdy and the Shanahan offense. Not Josh Allen, not Patrick Mahomes, not Tua Tagovailoa, Brock Purdy and the San Francisco offense. Can we just sit back and take a moment to, to, to relish in that? Not Josh Allen, not Mahomes, guys who you would say are more physically gifted than Brock Purdy, they're not the ones to knock off Philadelphia. In fact, their two losses this year have come against the New York Jets on the road with Zach Wilson as the quarterback and the Jets defense that didn't have their two starting cornerbacks. Their second loss last night against Brock Purdy and the star-studded Niners offense and defense. San Francisco knew, and I mean knew, they were going to win this game. Knew it. Philadelphia knew San Francisco was going to win this game. I don't care what they had to say. They knew they were playing on their heels from the jump. When your offense goes down the field with ease twice and they can't get in the end zone and you keep that window open, you keep that door open for Brock Purdy in this offense and you're sitting there like, oh, it's only a one-score game still. Only a one-score game. I, I, I was sitting there on my couch like, we can do this. It's only a one-score game. Go down, get a touchdown, get the lead, make Philadelphia have to score against you. What does San Francisco do? Boom, seven points. Brandon Ayuk. Then they get a quick near three and out on the next play. Hurts gets sacked. Then an incomplete screen pass. Uh, then Jair Brown whiffs a tackle. Then four more incompletions later in a punt, San Francisco gets the ball back. <laughs> and you're like, wow. It felt like the Philadelphia offense could get nothing going. San Francisco consistently had them at third and nine, third and 10, third and seven. They took away their, their best weapon. Hurts his legs, DeAndre Swift's legs. They could not run the ball. 
dare I say, the Niners' defense made Philadelphia's offense one-dimensional. And they took away, which the Philadelphia offensive line, completely healthy in this game, right? Their offensive line is almost like Trent Williams in a way, where Williams is like another offensive weapon for San Francisco. Their offensive line is a weapon they like to use. It is their bread and butter. You give Hurts a clean pocket. You give him time to throw. He'll make a big play. He had plenty of time to throw in this game. But San Francisco had 46 pressures. Jason Kelsey, uh, Maialata, uh, Lane Johnson, Cam Jurgens, Dickerson. It was as if, well, yes, they came to play for a quarter. As soon as that second quarter hit, it was almost like, they said, nah, we're good. Nah, we tried. Nah, we fought. It was almost as if, I don't want to say Philadelphia gave up, but there was a point in this game, you can tell they had accepted their fate. I get Jalen Hurts got hurt for, what, one drive and then came back in the game. I hope he's okay. Give him credit. I love Jalen Hurts as a player, as a person. Uh, he is someone who I didn't believe in coming into the league, having been an Oklahoma Sooner fan and watching him play, and boy, if he surprised me. Uh, he deserves to be in the MVP conversation, mind you. Um, and to come out there with a potential concussion, maybe, I would not have put Hurts back on the field. Maybe he pushed the play, but knowing you have the Dallas Cowboys now in six days, why would you risk him getting re-injured? That's just me. It is a weird play. I wouldn't have done that. Uh, but uh, nothing happens after that. It felt like It felt like every lane to throw was closed. Every lane to run was open and completely closed, or there wasn't any lanes at all. Eric Armstead got hurt early in this game. It was Kinlaw and Hargrave and, and Kevin Givens doing the job up front. San Francisco didn't have the player they thought they weren't going to have, mind you, but Armstead guts it out, tries to play, then gets re-injured with the foot. And you hope he's still healthy after this game, but they didn't have their hardest defensive lineman in this game, and they still won. That's crazy. They still won without their hottest defensive lineman who has like four and a half sacks and like 30 pressures the last four games. Eric Armstead has been great since the bye week. He didn't play half the game. Kalia Davis getting his first NFL game ever getting sacks. He had one sack. Ken Law has two sacks in this game. Like we have people that you don't expect to make big plays making Big plays. Ambry Thomas has been just awesome. Mooney Ward's been great. Jair Brown, he had two tackles again. You want him to play better, but the more he plays, the more those things get cleaned up. This Niners team is riding so high where, again, so much season to go, so many games to be played and had. The bird gauntlet isn't even over yet. We have, what, Seattle and the Cardinals, and then we have the Ravens on Christmas Day. Um, there is no reason as to why San Francisco at this point should not be favored in every game at home at Levi Stadium and on the road. If you're favored on the road at the link against the team that has the number one record in the entire league and still does, mind you, there is no reason why you shouldn't be favored against the Rams, uh, the Cardinals, the Ravens, anybody else you play. And by any chance, San Francisco has to go on the road for a postseason game. Even if it's back to the link, that fear 
that thought in the back of Philadelphia head or their head is there now that this team already beat us at home once. They can do it again. San Francisco walked into what was supposed to be one of the craziest, raucous, uh, feared, and dangerous crowds, and they made them turn on their own team in a one-score game. Eagles fans don't want to admit this. They want to say, oh, Brock Purdy has no aura. We're not going to lose to this quote-unquote nerd. How do you feel now? It's a lot of big talk and front-running out there in Philadelphia. Nick Sirianni going out there and taunting Chiefs fans in the tunnel. He won't dare do that against us ever. What happened yesterday was complete embarrassment, complete disrespect. San Francisco pregame walked through the Eagles defensive back warmups because there was a message saying, we don't care where you're at, what you're doing. This is our field. This is our stadium. We know we have this game won. Mentally, we're tougher than you. Physically, we're tougher than you. This was a complete domination on the behalf of the San Francisco 49ers to a point where I believe in six of their 12 games this season, Sam freaking Darnold has closed the game out as a quarterback. Sam Darnold has played in six of San Francisco's 12 games. That's how bad they're beating opponents. Jordan Mason got some carries. Finally. Finally, Kyle. Finally. George Kittle, four for 68. Brandon Ayuk, five catches, 46 yards, one massive touchdown. Javon Kinlaw was good. Kalia Davis got some snaps. Samuel Womack, a massive gunner tackle in the first half of this game. Every special team's offense, defense, the units, the units for San Francisco. It was as if the Eagles knew they were defeated even down by one score. And Mick says here in the chat, hell yeah, brother, and, and you're on point. Mick, let me tell you something. I cannot state this more clearer. I hate the Philadelphia Eagles <laughs> with a passion. I'm so happy we beat them. I'm so tired of hearing that, oh, you didn't beat us 11 months ago. Brock Purdy wasn't going to matter. Devo Samuel walks off the field and says, Welp, what do you think was going to happen? I don't care what the Niners fans say you or, or the players say. Another game, it's week 13. You cannot tell me Brock Purdy is not going to relish and sit back and say, I threw for 310 yards against that defense that disrespected me. When another team tells you, tells your fans to get over it, you lost, you sting, it's a playoff game, stop crying, stop whining. All of the complaining, all of the whining, all of the, the boo-hoos and hee-haws that Philadelphia wants to complain about were justified last night. They got shown what would have been in their future had Brock Purdy played 11 months ago. And dare I say, the Brock Purdy that played last night is a better of the Brock Pur or the better version of Brock Purdy that would have played 11 months ago. He's a better player. Brock Purdy has played now 17 regular season games and is going to have over that span over 30 touchdowns and 4,000 yards, folks. He is for real. He is the MVP favorite, and he just ran through what the entire league and media were saying was an unstoppable force. Mahomes didn't do that. Allen didn't do that. No one else did that. 
They took that team to the brink at the link and they couldn't get it done. And Brock Purdy said, there's not going to be a second half comeback. There's not going to be a close overtime game. We're going to beat you by 23 points at your own house. Whenever I'm playing Uno at my house and I lose, I get mad. Imagine being in Philadelphia now, losing the freaking game that actually matters <laughs> at home. <laughs> I'm sitting there getting draw fours saying, what the heck's going on, Dad? Stop giving me draw fours. <laughs> What's going on? Philadelphia got hit with a drop two and a drop four and a draw whatever and a reverse and a skip. It was a whole – it was over. Philadelphia had no chance. I even said coming into this game, Brock Purdy was going to have a day. The way he was playing and how bad that Philadelphia secondary is, they can't stop anything. It was as if Brock Purdy was a heated knife going through some butter. It was over from the jump. As soon as that second quarter hit and they scored their first touchdown, light it up, light the game plan up. They cut to Kyle Shanahan on the sideline. And whenever they do this, whenever they do this, you can tell Shanahan's going to see touchdown, fist bump, and you go, game's over. When As soon as Shanahan is in his bag to a point, he knows a score is going to happen. The other team knows, and I know, that game is done. In 2019, we saw, and we saw videos of Kyle Shanahan telling refs that this player, this defensive back is going to hold or get called for, a, or called for a penalty, that he could see the outcome happening. He was setting them up defensively. Shanahan yesterday was setting the Philadelphia Eagles up from the second quarter on. He was in his bag. He knew what was coming. He knew they were going to score. Now, yes, on these dump-offs and end-arounds, he doesn't know that stuff. But when you see Shanahan cut to the sideline, him seeing the play, fist bumps, knowing the touchdown is in hand and he knew that was going to happen, he's in his bag. He knows what's coming, and he knows they're going to win that game. What a freaking victory that was last night. Brock Purdy is your MVP favorite. Right now, he should be the MVP. No one should question him ever Again, there is no doubt. All the talk of, oh, I got to see him play somebody. He ran through Seattle in Seattle, beat Jacksonville, the AFC South leader, knocked them out of the park by 31 points, took it to Dallas at home, beat them by 32. Now he beat Philadelphia, the number one team in the entire league per record, by 23 in their own place. If he is not your MVP, or at least in that conversation, and you somehow, somewhere are saying, he's Dinkin' Duncan disrespecting him, I'm going to ask you to get off your soapbox, sit down, and listen, because Brock Purdy is crushing every team he plays. On the road, at home, what he is doing what he has shown to be able to do is MVP caliber play almost every single week. He's not one of the reasons they're winning. He usually is the main reason they're winning. That's how good he is. He's up there with the elites. I'm not talking physically. I'm talking production. That is all I care about. He's making off schedule plays. He's evading pressure. And he just outplayed Jalen Hurts at home. Just outplayed Jalen Hurts at home. What else can you say? Brock Purdy, I don't care if you're Nick Wright, Shady McCoy. If you like Dak Prescott, sure, beat him. Trevor Lawrence, beat him. Jalen Hurts, beat him. Geno Smith, beat him. 
and he's not beating them by three. He's beating them by 20 and 30. He's crushing teams. San Francisco is the Thanos of the NFL, and Brock Purdy is the final stone of the Infinity Gauntlet. It's done. It's done. It's week 12. I get it. So many games to go. So much games to be played. But right now, San Francisco is the best team in the entire league. In Philadelphia, I hope they cried all night into their Philly cheesesteak watching Rocky number three with the short shorts and the guys high-fiving in the pool. It's over. I hope all Philadelphia fans cried. Jalen Carter cried. He was talking. He was crying on the sideline. Like, I can say a lot of things about Jalen Carter. I won't go that cheap. But, my man, you were being, you were getting beat so bad by guys you called scrubs, and you want to cry? That's not tough. That's front runner 101. San Francisco exposed the Eagles defense last night for who they are. They're frauds. The team isn't. They're a good team. That defense, though, has a lot of reflecting to do a lo- because they are not who they were last year. They're not getting sacks. They're not getting pressures. They're not hurting quarterbacks. They're not beating opponents like they were last year. San Francisco went to their house, knocked on the door, kicked it in, and said, Daddy's home. That's how bad last night was. That's all I got for you today. Thank you for watching. Thanks for listening. If you can, leave a like on the video on YouTube. Subscribe to the audio versions of the podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. doesn't matter. Give us a like. Leave a review. I don't care what you have to say in the comments. Give us five stars. This Niners team is going some places. And dare I say, if everything goes to plan, only week 12, but come the end of the year, could be holding that sixth Lombardi trophy. That's the goal. One step closer after last night to the number one seed in the NFC. That's what we're coming for. That's what we want. In Philadelphia, you have been put on notice. That is how simple last night was. Again, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Appreciate the comments in the chat. Uh, you guys are awesome. Mick's a new sub. Thank you so much, Mick. We are going to have a preview and reaction to every single game remaining this year, including playoffs. And again, don't forget to like, share, subscribe, leave that review. Merry Christmas, happy holidays, and happy Victory Monday. Niners win 42-19 over the Philadelphia Eagles an inch. One game closer to the number one seed in the NFC and one game closer to clinching the NFC West title. This has been the Forward Center Access Podcast, and until next time, stay faithful.